to have a couple of things I want to say. First, I just want to say, you know, young people, we come to these things and we talk about, we, we bring God's Word as if it, as if it has authority, <laughs> as if it's true. And we talk about, because the Scriptures talk about all kinds of heavy things and big things and important things as if God's Word has the answers. Um, so thank you, Brother Thomas, for talking to us about a difficult subject to talk about. But it's comforting that God's Word actually speaks to some of the most awkward, difficult, destructive, painful, beautiful, wonderful things. God's Word really speaks to that, and it's true. And I also want to say um, that death is real, right? That death is real. Every one of us are going to die and going to face our Maker. And just a few moments ago, uh, our, our Uncle Lewis um, passed into eternity, and that's why my dad is not here. My Uncle Lewis has been at the point of death for several days up in Nashville. And so my mom and dad are up there. And um, my Uncle Lewis, is, uh, he, he's one of five. And um, there are four in the family who profess faith in Christ. And um, so a, a heavy thing in, in many ways. And, you know, we, we believe in a sovereign God who's able to do his will when he will. And so we, we can entrust our Uncle Lewis's soul to the care of a holy and a sovereign and a just and a good God. But it's a, that's, a, that's a heavy thing to carry, isn't it? Um, but God's word is real, and God's grace is real in the lives of his people. And so one of the highlights of, of my time here, and uh, several, Isaac and Jeff and several others, was to spend time with, with Ann Emily since we've been here just a few moments ago and to see her faith in Christ and her faith in the truths of God's Word and the promises of God's Word in such a heavy time, and to be able to say, God's good. God's good, and that gives me peace. God is good, and I can trust fully and wholly in Him. And so I just say all that to say that as we talk about all these things, I think I said yesterday that you know, your faith gets tested. Um, God's Word is true. God's Word is real. And Christ really is the way and the truth and the life. And it is a, a beautiful thing to see someone like Aunt Emily go through year after year of trusting God's Word, growing in God's Word, believing the promises of God's Word, and living a lifestyle of, I'm going to believe what God says and submit to Him. And so I just want to give testimony to God's goodness and faithfulness um, in that. So before we look again, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer, if we can, one more time. Father, we thank You for uh, Your Word that is truth, and we thank You that in a world that's filled with darkness of many different kinds, that You are the one true, beautiful, and blessed, and holy light. And thank you, God, that you give light. Um, You give light through your word and through your gospel. You give light through your spirit to your people. And I pray, O Father, that the light would just shine. I pray that it would shine brightly, clearly, powerfully um, in this world. I pray that it would shine in us. I pray that we would live in the light of who that you are. Lord, thank you that your word um, speaks with authority and truth to Uh, everything from what Brother Thomas talked about to us this morning to the reality of death and eternity, and that in Jesus, Lord, there is true peace and everlasting joy, and we give thanks and praise to you for that. Now, Father, please bless our time in your word this morning. May you be glorified. Please give grace to me as I speak. Please give grace to all those who hear. We need your spirit. We look to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Um, children of Light is my uh, subject this morning, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we'll read um, the first, first 11 verses. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. 
For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, and edify one another, even as also ye do. So we see uh, in these first couple of verses that, that Paul speaks, and he talks about this day of the Lord that's coming. He's talking about the final judgment. Um, he, in, in the Scripture, in the Old Testament, you'll often find this, this uh, phrase, the day of the Lord. There were many days of the Lord where God would come in judgment upon Israel or upon another nation, and it's all leading up to the final ultimate day of the Lord, when Christ will appear the final time and judgment will come. Now, I doubt that since you've been here, you've had many conversations about the day of the Lord. Hey, friend, what do you think about the day of the Lord? But it really should be in the, the, the background, but a prominent background place of all of our minds, because uh, God does have a calendar, okay? And, um, and there is an expiration date, an end date to all that we see around us, to life as we know it here, to this, to this world, to this created order, and, and, and that day of judgment really is coming. Um, so it really should be a frame of reference for us. So many of you were at Camp Moriah. So as you go to Camp Moriah, um, hopefully it's this way, the first day is good, the second day you're having even more fun, and then the third day you realize, wait a second, we're halfway done. Now part of you says, good, because I want my own bed. But the other part says, I don't, I don't want to leave because I'm having such a good time. So I better enjoy every last minute because there's an end coming. It's, it's going to be all over with. That, that, that's kind of a sad, you know, end reference point because it's going to be over and I'm having a good time. But you flip it around, you might be in, a, in, a, in an, oh, a terrible class. It's so hard. It's so difficult. It's so stressful. But you have a friend. There's only two more weeks left. So there's an end point. There's a frame of reference. Only two more weeks I can get through this. Now, um, the difference is, is that we don't know, right? We don't know how much longer we have until the Lord returns. But the point is, is that we all should live with the frame of reference that there is an end coming, that there really is a judgment day coming. And for those who are in Christ, it is a, it's a day of really joyful and happy anticipation. So later on, hopefully, we'll get to this, this, this point that as believers, we're supposed to live with a great hope. Brother Lewis talked about hope. I think someone else talked about hope. We should live with a great hope. And I know that sometimes um, probably young people get worn out with, with all the talk about how bad things are and how terrible it is, because it is terrible and bad, but you kind of want happy news too, don't you? You, you kind of don't want to live in the doldrums all the time. And, and the, the truth is, is that if we're in Christ, we can look forward with real hope that this is a good thing, that the day of the Lord is coming, that our Lord's going to show up. And so in Christ, we have, listen... If you're in Christ, we don't just have a pretty good future. We have the best possible future. 
Isn't that exciting? The best possible future. And so the Apostle Paul says, you, you Thessalonians, you need to be thinking about as a frame of reference the day of the Lord, that all of this is going to end as we know it. But then he goes to verse 3. And here's the point, is that those outside of Christ are slaves to deception. Look at what he says in verse 3. So the day of the Lord's coming, it's going to come as a thief in the night, unexpected, unannounced, and it's going to overtake some in a negative way. Verse 3 says, For when they shall say, the unbelieving world shall say, Peace, safety, everything's good, everything's calm, all is well, we've got this thing figured out. When they shall say, Peace and safety, then... Sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. So, so the world, they're, they're, they're slaves to deception. You ever heard of fake news? This is the ultimate fake news, isn't it? Peace, safety. We've, we've, we've arrived. We've, we've conquered the human problem. We're well. Okay, we're, not, we're not in Christ. We're, we've got the answers. We're, we're well. All things are calm. We've got it under control. And then what happens? Boom, sudden destruction comes like a woman in childbirth. Now, believe it or not, I've never given birth, okay? But, but the reality is, I know this much, is when that labor starts, that baby's coming, the mom doesn't call the doctor and say, hey, can we reschedule for two weeks? No, it's coming. It's coming. Listen, inevitable, unavoidable, inescapable judgment is coming. Inevitable, can't stop it. Unavoidable, can't get around it. And inescapable, you can't escape it. That judgment is coming. So, young people, we need to think about this in, in many different terms. Remember what the line I said, that those outside of Christ are slaves to deception. If you have notes, write that down. Think about that one. Those outside of Christ are slaves to deception. And we have one of the clearest cases right here. When they say peace and safety, it's anything but peace and safety. It's catastrophic judgment. It's condemnation. It is, it is not peaceful, and it's not safe for those who are outside of Christ. Those outside of Christ are slaves to deception in the things that Brother Thomas just talked to us about in chapter 4. That, no, 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 my body's my own, okay? Vessel unto honor for God's glory, forget that. My body's my own for my gratification and pleasure right now. Who are you to tell me what to do? And, it's, and I want to live free. I want to live all about me. Slaves to deception. And we have to see that, we'll see in a moment, because part of us, even if we're in Christ, part of us still wants to think like those who are slaves to deception. And part of us still wants to walk like those who are slaves to deception. And so Paul is given these very important exhortations and these warnings and says, wait a second, look, those outside of Christ are slaves to deception. So just recognize this, this is the reality for, for us is that every single day, okay, every single day in your heart, in your mind, my heart, my mind, in every single day in your heart, in your mind, there is a, an incredible war and battle for what you will believe. There is a, it's a bloody war, you know, spiritually. It's bloody and there's bombs all around. It's, it's, it's pretty violent sometimes. But there is a, there's a battle for what you will believe today. For what you will believe is true, you will be tempted to believe maybe uh, sinful feelings over what is reality and true according to God's Word. You will be tempted to ignore what is true because darkness seems to be attractive. And so you have to just recognize that every day there's a war, there's a battle for our minds. And, he's, and he's, that's why he's filling them with truth here because those outside of Christ are slaves to deception. 
But then he looks in verse 4. He gives the contrast. Now that, that's the negative. Those outside of Christ say peace and safety is anything but peace and safety. But ye, brethren, believers in Christ, followers of Christ, verse 4, you are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So there's this idea of, of great privilege and blessing. Uh, the difference is as great as night and day. Imagine that. There's, there's the image of night, day, light, darkness. So if, you have, or if you've been brought to Christ, this day of judgment is not for your destruction, but for your final salvation. It's a joyful, it's a, a, a way of anticipation. So now you have a frame of reference, you have a point of reference that is, uh, that is in, in, in accordance with having light and understanding and wisdom that, as Brother Andrew preached to us yesterday, is an incredible gift of God's grace to give you that saving faith to see Christ and the realities of Him. So now you're a child of the day. You are in the light. You're not walking in darkness. We see this from chapter 1, that these people had been turned from what? From idols to serve the living and true God, as Brother Lewis preached yesterday. So this is a huge transformation for the Thessalonians. Okay, this is a, It changed the whole way they looked at reality. So from Thessalonica, there were some Jews there, of course, who believed in Jehovah, who were converted to Christ. But there was Gentiles in this church as well, so pagans. And, and in Thessalonica, Thessalonica, Thessaloniki is actually the name of the, of the modern city in Greece, so we can, we can do that. So in Thessalonica, they could see Mount Olympus, which is about 50 miles away. And Mount Olympics, Olympus, Mount Olympus was the home of the gods. And it was just, it was part of their whole culture. It was, it, it was kind of like, you know, if you're American, you like apple pie. If you're from Thessalonica, you worship these gods. It's just part of your family. It's part of your culture. It's part of patriotism. And so when, when light came, y'all, okay, it was pronounced. It was clear. It was a powerful transformation from, from revering Mount Olympus. That's the home of the gods. And they also lived, it was really hopeless. It was a hopeless end in existence at the end. That's one of the contrasts. They worship the gods, and now they're saying, wait a second, this Jesus has come, and he has redeemed us, and he's died for us, and we can now look at the future with hope. So in chapter 4, he encouraged the believers who lost loved ones in Christ, you can sorrow, but not hopelessly like the pagans do. You now in Christ have a real reality. You can see light and truth. You can see eternity for what it will be. And so you've been transformed from darkness to light. Your eyes have been opened. So I just I want you to, to feel this in this passage this morning. If God has brought you to love Jesus, you need to think of yourself as an incredibly privileged person. I've been brought to light. I've been brought to the day. I've been brought to where I can see. That's incredible. Because there's, there's hordes of people... And, and if we're in Christ, we were one of them. So it's not that we're better than of ourselves, but there's hordes of people who walk around believing lies and loving the lives that they be, lies that they believe, and will end and die in those lies and the consequences of, of, of those lies. What an awful end! Paul's saying, "Look at who God's made you. God's given you eyes to see. 
God has blessed you to see the cross, to see Jesus. Now you can see things as they really are. You are children of the light and children of the day. So for you, child of light, you know, your eyes have been opened. Your eyes have been opened of the darkness of living as if self is the center of things. That's, that's the darkness we're all born into, as if you know, the worst idol is ourselves, as if self is the center of things. Self-gratification, me and my way, that is kind of the, 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 the kingdom that I'm living for of self. You've been brought to that to see Jesus is so worthy, so valuable, so satisfying, that he only is the center of things and worth being the center of things. You've seen now the light of there. There's hope beyond this world. There's real hope in the midst of pain. For a lot of young people today, for a lot of young people today, there is, even with all of the bells and whistles that are out there, there's a lot of despair. There's a lot of despair. There's lots of drug overdoses. There's lots of suicides among young people. There's lots of despair. This is real stuff, okay? This is really serious stuff. That's why to have eyes open to see the light, to see that if you have Jesus, even in the midst of any pain that you're going through, there's real hope in the goodness and promises of God. There's probably people here today, you're carrying around really heavy pain. You're carrying around really heavy hurt, really big questions, really smothering doubt, maybe things you would be ashamed to really talk about. And you might be tempted to despair. Just like my aunt, okay, who can look at life beyond the grave and have real hope and answers. There is hope in Jesus. Light and darkness are real. And in Christ, there's hope. So if you've been brought to love Jesus, you can bring your pain to Him. You can bring your burdens to the light of His Word and receive wisdom and instruction and guidance, and you can be set free. And you can learn to to, to live even in the midst of hurt and pain with real hope in Christ and not be given over to despair. So, you are children of the light and children of the day. Now, with that, like it often happens in Scripture, this is who you are, this is who God's made you to be, now from that reality, go do this. Okay, so the indicative... Grammar, here's the fact. Here, now here's the imperative based on the indicative. Here's, here's, the, here's the application of who God's made you to be. You are children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Here's the imperative, verse 6. Therefore, in connection with that, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch, be awake, alert, and be sober, sober-minded. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So, God has brought you to the light. Now, therefore, as children of the light, stay awake and alert. Okay? Stay awake and alert, spiritually speaking. Get your sleep at night. Get your eight hours. I need eight. Get your eight hours, okay? That'll actually help you stay awake and alert spiritually. But he's talking spiritual terms here. Stay awake and alert. Because those who are outside of Christ, they are spiritually um, out of it. Can we say it that way? If you're really sleep deprived, you're out of it. I- I'm not thinking clearly. Uh, I don't need to be driving. Um, all the rest. And then if you're, of course, this is going to be physical or spiritual drunkenness. If you're physically drunk, 
the person's out of it. The, the, the judgment is way off. The speech is slurred. It's a mess. They're, they can do great danger. It's, it's not a good situation. Well, spiritually, the same carryover. Not thinking clearly. Not, think, not seeing things clearly. Not being able to interpret and judge rightly. Way off base. So he's saying to these believers in Thessalonica, listen, you live, as we know, they lived in this pagan culture, as we've heard, they're already persecuting Christians. Everyone around them, like Brother Thomas taught us, like our culture, doesn't do the sexual ethic according to chapter 4. They're the minority of how that they live. They're the minority of how that they believe. And here's the reality. Here's one of the dangers. Satan's got so many weapons, right? One weapon is persecution. Just shut them up so they won't talk about Jesus. Another weapon is, let's just rock them slowly, slowly, slowly to sleep. Just kind of rock them to sleep. I would imagine that's a tool that Satan is loving to use with everybody in this room. Everybody in this room. Not saying, I think I'll tempt this guy to just say, I hate Jesus. He might do that, but that's you know, probably not likely you're going to do that. But he's probably going to say, you know what? If we can get them distracted enough, if we can get them just kind of dull enough, not with it, you know, spiritually, just kind of distracted, not thinking clearly, here's what we can do. We can just kind of slowly rock them to sleep to where we can really deceive them or just make them completely ineffective and fruitless. That's dangerous, okay? That's scary. He's, he's saying, hey, be alert. Be alert, believers. You're, he's talking battle language because you've got to put on the breastplate and the helmet and all the rest. So th- there, there's danger here. You're a child of light, but be careful there's danger here. From your position of being able to see things clearly as you ought that God's given you, uh, watch out for this slowly being rocked to sleep. So those who are outside of Christ, they are, they're, they're completely asleep spiritually. They're asleep to the reality of a coming judgment. And so it's evident by how that they live and how that they talk. They, 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 don't, they don't think of life in those terms or they ignore it. Let me read something in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 8. But even believers, if we're not careful, we can start to follow suit. So here's, here's an example of someone who's spiritually asleep, Okay. Um, speaking of the wicked in Ecclesiastes 8, verse 11. It says, Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. In other words, um, somebody does something evil, sin against God, lightning does not strike. So they say, hmm, let's, let's keep rolling, you know. Because it doesn't immediately come, the judgment doesn't come, therefore their heart is fully set in them to do evil. But then he gives perspective. Though a sinner do evil a hundred times and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know it'll be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not God. Now let's just be honest, okay? On the surface, on the surface, to, be, to live like you're spiritually drunk and spiritually asleep is, is attractive. It is. Because here's how you can live. Um, no worries, live for yourself, make yourself happy, no consequences, no accountability. How many of you would just like one day with no accountability from your parents, right? 
one day they're off my back. I can do whatever I want to do. It's attractive, isn't it? It's the, uh, how's it go, the uh, akuna matata? Is that that kind of a life? No worries. Everything's chill. I can just do my own thing. And there's no accountability and no consequences. If we're honest, we're, we're kind of attracted to that in some ways. If we weren't, the scripture wouldn't warn us against it, would it? It wouldn't exhort us against it. Um, this kind of this, this thrill of, of just letting go, right? Letting go, doing all that I want to do, not saying no to myself. I'm in the driver's seat. But it's, but it's dangerous, isn't it? It's dangerous. Even for old Simba, that proved to not be real, did it? It wasn't the way to live. Now, so, what is, so what's the, practically what does this look like for us? Let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch. So being spiritually awake and spiritually sober-minded. We're, 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 not, we're not walking around drunk. We're, we're awake and we're alert. Well, part of it is what it says in verse 8. Let us who are of the day be sober putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. There's kind of three things there of staying awake and alert spiritually. Number one is living in the realm of truth, okay? Living in the realm of truth. He says to put on the breastplate of faith and love. So faith, first of all. Brother Lewis talked about that uh, yesterday uh, very, very well. Uh, faith is trust in something, isn't it? It's, it's not just trust in some possible outcome. It's trust in Christ, and it's trust in the Word of God. So this putting on the breastplate of faith is living um, in the realm of truth. It's living in the realm of reality. As we said earlier, the world, outside of Christ, they walk around in spiritual deception. So again, every day there's a battle for what I'm going to believe in my heart and my mind. So putting on the breastplate of faith is consciously trusting in Christ through His Word as, as it's revealed. As I'm, as I'm filling myself with God's Word and trusting it, it keeps me awake. It keeps me alert spiritually. Um, the next one is keeping a warm heart. So you're putting on the breastplate of faith and of love, so you're keeping a warm heart toward the Lord. It's, it's not just knowing facts, but it's, it's loving the God, right? It's loving the Christ who's died for us. It's, it's loving Him and His ways. It's loving this God who would so love us enough He would tell us, how to live with our bodies, as Brother Thomas preached to us. That we, 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 we love him and desire to please him. So it's keeping a warm heart toward him. And as we mentioned earlier, it also has a hopeful outlook. So you're looking ahead with a bright outlook. With a, for a helmet, you're wearing the hope of salvation. So we're staying awake and alert spiritually. What's one of the first things that you hear when you're um, being taught to drive? Stay alert. Stay aware. Don't look at your phone. Don't worry about the radio station, what song's being played. Stay alert, stay late. No, 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 I can't talk. Stay awake, I'm tired. Stay awake, stay alert. Don't drive distracted. <laughs> so again, the danger for us, the danger for us as children of the light is becoming spiritually drowsy to when we're not thinking straight. Here's a big one. When we're not alert to the needs of our own soul. When we're not alert to the needs of our own soul. When we're not guarding our hearts and guarding our minds. So let me give you a couple of practical words of exhortation of what this really looks like, boots on the ground, with with staying awake and alert spiritually. First one I'd say is this, is that we must be honest with the Lord and with ourselves. 
We must be honest with the Lord and with ourselves. Even right now, maybe you might think about it as you're, as you're maybe taking notes. We need to know ourselves as best we can in the light of God's Word. What are the areas that I struggle in the most? What are the areas I struggle in the most? Where do I tend to be most vulnerable in temptation? Who are the people that I hang out with that I just tend to not do very well at all with the Lord when I'm running with them? What, what makes me the most fearful and why? That's a really good heart diagnosis question, <laughs> by the way. What makes me the most fearful and why? Whose opinion do I crave, whose approval do I crave the most and why? What, what are all those kinds? It's, it's being alert to where I'm at. It's being alert to my own weaknesses. It takes humility. Then, of course, there's, there's prayer. Lord, show me my areas of weakness. Maybe talking to a, your parents. Maybe talking to a godly friend or a pastor. What, what do you think are my areas of weakness? We had this experience a couple weeks ago that completely blew me away. It was very humbling, very good for me. So we had a family staying with us who we'd never met before. And the second night there with us, somehow we got to talking about, it got this incredibly transparent conversation that like I never would have guessed with people we just met. Somehow it started with our kids and their kids and all the kids were in there. It was like, okay, kids, what's, what, are, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? And so bless the kids' hearts, like putting them on the spot, like, well, I kind of get mad at my brother a lot and hit him or, you know, whatever. Um, and it, I could tell the kids were getting awkward because that's it, just an uncomfortable position to be in, but it was, it was really good. And then I realized, you know, unless we're going to be complete hypocrites, the adults are going to have to do this too, you know. <laughs> and so I told them, like, well, we got to do this too. I'll start. And, um, and that was kind of jarring. Um, I think we said three things we're good at and one were bad, maybe, you know, try to not make it too painful. But, but, but I said a couple of things. I said, and I was like, well, kids, what do y'all think? Well, Dad, you're really, you're really patient. You really are. One of them said, but sometimes you're not. <laughs> but it, but it, that was pretty, that was really healthy. It made me, it made me, I walked away thinking, wow. Number one, I love those people really, a whole lot. I, 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 that was the first time I met them. I've bonded to those folks. Because they shared their heart of what they really struggle with honestly. And I know how to pray for them. And I shared some of mine, right? And it, what it let me see is how healthy it is for us just to be honest with ourselves. And a lot of times we, we do that with another brother or sister in Christ who knows us well. So stay awake and alert to, to where that you are and where your deepest needs are. Because that helps you know where to battle. It helps you to know where that you need to grow. Along with that is don't keep, don't keep sinful habits hidden in the darkness. Don't, don't keep sinful habits hidden in the darkness. Um, confess it. Uh, seek help. There's, I said this at Grace Chapel's meeting. It, it, it's, it would be so much better to be a, a frequent repenter than to be a fake hypocrite. So much better. So much better to be a frequent repenter than to be a fake hypocrite. Or just to be a, a, a closet struggler, right, who never, never seeks the Lord's grace and help. I had a brother in the church call me like two weeks ago. He said, man, you've got to pray for me. I'm having awful thoughts today. I can't shake them. And, and, and I thought, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Here's somebody who wants to live in the light. Here's somebody who's a child of the, of the light, and he's awake enough and alert enough to know I am not well today. So I need grace. I need help. I need strength. Listen, these are God's tools that, that he's given to us to help us to, to stay alert and to be effective in our walk with the Lord. 
The next one I would say, so be honest with yourself and the Lord. Don't, don't keep your uh, sinful habits hidden in the darkness. The next one I would say is develop discipline. Develop discipline. If we're going to stay awake and alert spiritually, we have to develop discipline. So in 1 Timothy chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is talking to the young preacher Timothy. In verse 8, he says, um, verse 7, he says, the last part of that verse, exercise yourself unto godliness. Exercise yourself unto godliness. The word exercise in the Greek is gymnazo. I say that because that's where we get gymnasium from, gym. So you guys like to go to the gym. Paul's saying to Timothy, spiritually speaking, hey, Timothy, go to the gym frequently so that you can be trained up to walk in godliness. Without discipline, without discipline, you will not grow in godliness. Without discipline, you will not grow in godliness. Um, Don Whitney has a great book called Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life. If you haven't read that, highly encourage it. Uh, It takes discipline to grow in the Lord. And it's essential for us if we're going to stay awake and alert spiritually. Um, So we think about that just in in the spiritual graces. So if we're going to put on the breastplate of faith, and faith is believing, seeing things as they really are, living in the realm of truth, of Christ through His Word, we, we have to have a discipline to regularly fill ourselves with God's Word, young people. We just do. And preachers have said that all your life, and we'll keep saying it, because we have to say it to ourselves. We have to have our minds filled with God's Word. If, if we don't, we will not be awake and alert spiritually. And I don't mean, I don't mean just like, man, I read three verses a day, boom, now let me go do two hours of Instagram. Um, so I know I'm now in the category of an old preacher because I'm going to rail on social media, okay? Um, I, I embrace that. Uh, <laughs> so, so here we go. If somebody's discipling you, okay, that means you're being trained, developed, developed and taught by someone or something. We are. We are all learners, disciples. We're being shaped by something or someone. And listen, if we are being more shaped by, I'm just going to jump on social media, if we're being more shaped by all that, how much is Christ shaping us? If, if, if we have the habit, if we have the habit of having, how many of you say, I don't have time. I don't, I don't, I don't have time to, to, to read that good you know, biblical book. I don't have time to, to read the scripture. I should have gone over the pastor's notes from Sunday that I took the notes. I just didn't have time this week. But if we had time for an hour of Snapchat, if, if we had time to watch three episodes of our, that favorite show and we didn't have time for God's word, we're, we're, we're not awake. We're drowsy. We're not alert. And I don't say all that just to jump on you or to, to I really don't. I, I do the same thing. Twitter is my, um, that's my poison, okay? That's my social media poison. That's the one I pick. And I recognize sometimes I, it, it is, it's, it's mind-numbing. I know, I, I do it where you're just scrolling through that fact, that fact, that fact, that fact, and get to the end like, I don't even know what I just read. I don't know what I just read. So I've told my kids sometimes I've got to take Twitter fasts, okay? A fast of Twitter. The first day is really hard, really, really hard. Second day a little more freeing. Third day, feel great, feel great. And then you know what it equips me to do? To go back and be a responsible Twitter user. See, self-discipline means we, we can, we can um, it's not that we just say no to everything, but it equips us, it trains us, so that we can be a more effective consumers of the things that are out there. It's not, it may be for you cut off all your social media, but it may be develop discipline to where you're not addicted to it so that you can use it in a more responsible way. 
Discipline's our friend. Discipline really trains us for true freedom. It trains us for true freedom. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is such an important um, concept here. So 1 Corinthians 6, and verse, we'll read verse 12. Paul says, now get this, All things are lawful for me, unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, get this, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Isn't that good? There's a lot of things I could do, but Paul's determined, I will not be brought under the power of any. In other words, I don't want anything to rule over me except Jesus. Can we read that together? I will not. Will you start with me on that? I will not be brought under the power of any. One more time. I will not be brought under the power of any. Would it be wonderful to grow in discipline to the point where, we, where you can say to something that has been an addiction, social media, whatever else, and say, hey, you don't own me. You don't own me. Christ owns me, not only in theory, but also in function and in practice. Uh, you don't have to do this. This is not Bible, but I, lo- I love this story. It's good to, to do things to train yourself in discipline. It might be exercise for you. It might be... It was, so here's Brother Herb Hatfield's story, okay? For a while, he had to drive a truck. I love this story. He had to drive a truck for a living, and, uh, and so he was coming home, and he would do this on like a regular occasion. He would buy one of those big uh, Reese's Cups, and he would eat one of them. And he would leave the second on the dashboard until he got home to give to his wife. Wow. That's true love, isn't it? Now, would it have been sin for him to eat both? No. I bet he did sometimes, by the way. You know, It, it wouldn't have been sin. What's the, what's he he's, he's training himself to say, you don't own me. You don't own me. Now, you can, you can, you can apply that however it works for you. But the point is this, is that uh, discipline's our friend. It, it trains us for godliness. It really trains us for true freedom. It trains us to be more effective followers of Christ, and it keeps us awake and alert um, spiritually. So, so, so discipline, discipline. Now, let me go back to 1 Thessalonians, and, uh, and we're almost through. 1 Thessalonians Here's what I want to say. So, so honest with the Lord and yourself. Keeping, not keeping sinful habits hidden. Developing discipline. All right? There's another part of this, verse, this text I want to look at. And here it is. Do all of this with other Christians. Do all of this with other Christians. Look in verse, we'll look in verse 9. For God has not appointed us to wrath. Brother Jamie talked about the wrath of God last night. If we're in Christ, praise be to his name. He's not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, whether we're alive or dead, we will live together with Him. Wherefore, application, wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. So here's my exhortation to you. Stay spiritually alert. Stay with it. Don't be drunk spiritually, don't be sleepy, don't be be rocked to sleep, but stay awake and alert spiritually with other believers who help you stay awake and alert. Now on the kind of the backside of the negative, ask yourself this question. Christian young person, ask yourself this question. Am I a friend? Am I a Christian friend 
that helps my other Christian friends stay awake? Or do I lead them to drowsiness? Do I help them stay awake or do I lead them to spiritual drunkenness where they're not thinking straight? Hey, man, I know we really shouldn't go do this, you know, but it, we're just going to have a little fun. You know, it's not going to be that big of a deal. I, I, I know it's probably a verse against it somewhere, but, you know, we, we can just be once. We have a little fun. Hey, man, do you see what, do you see what I saw on my phone? Just, just take a look. Just, just one look. Get the gossip train going. Girls, you, you hear what she said, did, da 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 da. You know what all that can do? It can it can just be a it can be a tool in the hands of Satan to help you be drunk and sleepy spiritually, and your fellow Christian friends to be the same. Um, there is there is power. Listen, there is power, power in godly Christian friendships. I mean, it's all over the scriptures. Preached this weekend about David and Jonathan. Jonathan strengthened David's hand in God in a moment of great need. There's great, great potential. And then there's also really negative potential. He that walks with wise men, Proverbs says, will be wise. A companion of fools will be destroyed. So ask yourself, am I more of a, of a friend who, who helps my Christian friends stay awake and alert and encouraged and built up in the Lord? Or am I helping them be drowsy? And spiritually drunk. It's, it's such, a, such a powerful influence. Well, let me end with this one. I've already kind of already said it, but I want to go back to it. So we mentioned earlier, um, how do we stay awake and alert spiritually? Some, from verse 8, we're living in the realm of truth. Let us here of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith. So we're living in the realm of truth as we're looking to Christ, as we're looking to God's Word, filling our minds with it. But we're also keeping a warm heart. We're putting on the breastplate of faith and love. We, we love this God. We, we don't just know about it. We love this one. And so we want to please him, as Thomas has already mentioned. We want to please the Lord because we're so thankful to him for his grace, as Brother Jamie preached last night. He's, he's this, this gospel of God who's made us righteous. He's taken the wrath of God away from us. So we want to love him. We're filling our minds with all that he's done for us. So we're living in the realm, realm of truth. And we are keeping a warm heart toward God. But we also, we're putting on uh, for a helmet the hope of salvation. So remember that day of judgment we started with? That for all those who are in Christ, it's a, it's a day we anticipate. We are thankful that day's on the calendar. We're thankful that day's coming up. So as we mentioned earlier, it, it, listen, it is a crazy, scary, messed up world. It is. It's nutty. It's dangerous. It's scary. But I want you to know this too, that as I said earlier, it's not just a good future that all those in Christ have looked forward to. It's the best future possible. And so we can, we can and we must look at the future as if one day I will be perfectly conformed to Jesus. One day I won't struggle with wanting to live like a spiritually drunk world anymore. One day all the tears here, they're going to be gone. There won't be any more reason for a temptation to despair. Now, as a young person, that might seem far away, but I bet for some of you that's really attractive. Again, because of pain and burdens and heaviness. So we put on hope. We say, yes, there's some crazy chapters here, but Jesus has an awesome final ending to this story. An awesome final ending. And so I want to stay awake and alert with the recognition that I have a hopeful outlook as I am in Christ. May, may God bless you. May God bless you 
Um, may we stay awake and alert spiritually. Can I pray again, Brother Mike? Let's, let's bow. Our righteous Heavenly Father, thank you for the truth of your word. And Lord, thank you again that there is light. Um, we didn't turn the light on. Lord, you did. You, you are the light. You gave us the light. We thank you for it. We thank you, Father, that even in a world that's filled with all kinds of chaos and darkness, that, that we as your people can have and must have a joyful and a hopeful outlook. And Father, thank you for the gift of, of self-discipline, the gift of godly Christian friends. Lord, would you help us all to grow in these things, that we might have more freedom in Christ, and that we might be effective. Father, the enemy would love to rock us to sleep, to cause us to be drowsy, to cause us to be intoxicated in our minds. Lord, set us free from that and help us to live faithfully and to grow in Christ, to keep warm hearts toward him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.